lost the ball anyways. Back to win this match. Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Premier League newsroom presented as always by Volkswagen. I'm Charlie O'Connor-Clark filling in to host today again as Christian Jack obviously makes his way home from Las Vegas. Uh, but we're through week 10 of the Canadian Premier League season. We're starting to see a lot of movement in the table. I'm sure a lot of us still recovering emotionally from last night's Canada loss to the United States. But before we have to touch on that, let's just round up the weekend that was in the Canadian Premier League because that's a a better vibe, I think, for us at the moment. We uh, obviously started on Friday night with Valor FC beating Forge 2-0 thanks to a Guillaume Pianelli header and an incredible Walter Ponce volley. Uh, that followed up on Saturday with Halifax Wanderers winning their second straight home game 3-1 over Cavalry FC with their goals coming from Quambra, Daniels, and Colomb. And at the exact same time, Atletico Ottawa also winning at home. They beat Vancouver FC thanks to Samuel Salter's second goal of the season uh say that five times fast there's a lot of s's in that sentence but they too getting the the win at home and then finally the weekend was wrapped up on sunday afternoon at starlight stadium out on vancouver island as sean young's header from another set piece was all pacific needed to get past york united now we're going to start this uh this discussion this weekend out in Winnipeg on Friday night, where Mitchell Tierney was our correspondent watching Valor bounce back from a loss at Wanderers Grounds the weekend before with a 2-0 a win of their own to beat Forge, thanks to a pair of excellent goals. But Mitch, before we get into this game, um, I, you know what? I don't actually want to talk about the Canadian national team. Let's just go into this game. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll come back to them at the end. But Mitch, 2-0 for Valor, uh, I, I, maybe a, a struggling moment for Forge at the moment. Just tell me overall what your thoughts on this game were and what you gave this game out of 10 in terms of how compelling it was to watch well if you see Gio Reyna on the screen right now no I'm just kidding <laughs> um, <laughs> look I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a seven out of ten um, I think a really important win for Valor um, as they continued kind of the establishment uh, of IG Field as uh, an incredibly difficult place to come play um, now they're 12 unbeaten at home and you know obviously that was something that was a theme last season, but to continue that into this season was was very important for this side. But a big goal for them, obviously, was you know coming into this, they had four draws at home, so uh, picking up a, a win was was incredibly important. So you know turning that that one point into three, and how much of a difference that's going to make for them over the course of the year in in the table if they can continually do that is is big. So yeah, I mean, look, Valor, it was a little bit. Uh, I mean, they scored on both of their shots on net in this game, and and Forge, will, who I'm sure we'll talk about, had plenty of shots of their own and weren't able to capitalize. But uh, at the end of the day, there was a lot to like about what Valor did in this match, uh, both tactically and just uh, the way they approached this game. 
Yeah, let's get into some of the things that were working for Valor. They hadn't won since the first week of the season at York, but here they, they're they at home. They play the defending champions, and they, they outplay them. They very much deserve to win this game. Mitch, what impressed you most about the way Valor played and the way they took the game to Forge, as they often seem to do? Yeah, I think just beyond anything tactically or, or technically, just the compete of a team missing probably their three most important outfield players, certainly, mm-hmm. and uh, Mateo de Brienne. Uh, Diego Gutierrez and Pacific Nyong Gabire for for injury international and uh, red card related or um, yellow card yellow. accumulated related reasons. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they they're a team that usually just does a really excellent job of just not letting Forge play, uh, not letting them be comfortable, and just putting pressure on you know the important players that pull the string, be that Kyle Becker or uh, Alex Ashton Janssen, or I thought they did a really good job on Rezart Rama in this match as well, who's a player mm-hmm. who Forge usually liked to, to get on the ball a lot. So um, they did a really good job of that, of, you know, Forge were able to play through them sometimes, but maybe not as comfortably as, as they would have hoped. Like anything that was coming through was usually rushed or in transition, uh, which isn't always Forge's game. So I really like that. And then when they, they had the ball, um, Kian Williams did a really good job of, kind of finding those spaces in behind Alex Ashton-Yodianson and Kyle Becker in, in the two-man midfield. So, yeah, there was a lot to like about this performance from Valor, how they approached it. But again, just the, the way they were able to compete in this game, I think, was was probably the big one. Yeah, that's that's certainly what it sounds like it was. And before we go uh, go a little bit deeper into some of these individuals for Valor, let's just get the thoughts of their coach, Philip Dos Santos, after that game. I think today was a fight, right? It was uh, about gaining every every space that we had, every battle that we, we had. I, for me, it was very important to see the response of the team after a performance where we felt that, you know, sometimes things don't go your way football-wise and tactically you're not well. And But when it's effort as a coach, it's the worst thing. Uh, to see because it's it's a mindset, it's uh, something that could creep into your locker room very fast. So for me, it was about making sure that we would respond in that matter. I remember telling the guys that, you know, bounces won't always go your way and we, we don't know what's going to happen throughout the 90 minutes, but one thing that we control is our mentality and our fight in the, on, on the field throughout the 90 minutes and the way we close down spaces, the way we take advantage of spaces, the way we attack those spaces. So um, that for me is a, a mindset. It's all about mental disposition. And today was the guys were, were very good, were very good when, when it comes to that. Not, not a, you know, uh, I, I think it wasn't the greatest of, of the games when it comes to, to uh, technical, tactical standpoint of it. Um, but again, uh, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is the three points. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, Mitchell, you, you wrote about this in your analysis and you spoke about it already a little bit, but a few players coming into this game to replace the regulars like Debrienne, Gutierrez, Neon Gabire. in terms of the individual performances that stood out to you, which kind of come to mind immediately. Yeah, the the thing that I liked was, you know, they weren't replacement level. They were some of the best performers on the team. And that's what you hope for um, when when guys are out and you give other guys opportunities is that they take them. So um, I think first and foremost, Walter Ponce, you know, his goal was incredibly well taken. But also, again, we talked about how 
Valor did a fantastic job of keeping Rezart Rama out of the game. I think that was largely down to Walter Ponce, just, you know, constantly badgering Rama. And I think he, he got him into an early yellow card. So Rama wasn't able to, to play quite as aggressively in this match. So I thought he was, he was excellent uh, at that and um, a great performance from him just kind of, you know, holding his own uh, there on the, the left wing. Um, and then on the opposite flank, uh, Yared Aloa, um, a, a young player and a young attacker, um, Ford really liked to push up Kwesi Poku when he's playing as a wing back and, and, you know, make him uh, kind of an outlet on, on that flank. So Aloha kind of did the same thing and got him behind on, um, on the right flank. And he was able to create some opportunities from there, obviously created the goal um, uh, on his cross uh, to, to Ponce. So good work for him. Then JP Sanchez, a player who uh, anytime you talk to Phil, he'll call him uh, very underrated as a, you know, a young player within this league, but you know, again, did a really good job of of really pressing those uh, those two Forge midfielders who are so important to, to what they do in build up. And um, you know, Dos Santos talked about how against Forge they really like to exploit the gaps between the center backs and, and the fullbacks. So having a mm-hmm. two at the base of midfield um, to kind of plug those gaps is, is is important. And Sanchez, I think, did a fantastic job in there of, of doing that. Um, so a lot to like about him. We mentioned Williams. Um, he was really good in there um, and, and not a new player, but a new, uh, more of a new position for him. We've seen him play at the 10 against Forge as well. Um, but yeah, just a, a great overall team performance. But again, just those players coming in um, yeah. who, uh, you know, we're replacing some key players and, and playing that well was was massive for them. Absolutely. By the way, that yellow card you mentioned that Valor got Rezat Rama to take, I think his fourth of the season, which means that Forge will be without him on Tuesday night. But uh, before we get into Forge a little bit, Valor, four players in the team of the week this week. It could have been more. We tried to find a way to get Keen Williams in, couldn't get him in, couldn't get Juan Pablo Sanchez in. But, uh, you know, what? a, a Massive team performance from Valor. And let's just go back to IG Field and hear the thoughts of Juan Pablo Sanchez after that game. Since the beginning of the week, we we knew that, you know, Forge likes to play. Forge is a good team that likes to uh, have the ball. And, and we were just, you know, on top of them. We were good defensively. And we knew that we had to be 100%. Um, and we had to be, you know, focused throughout the whole game. Yeah. So... We have to talk about Forge now. I think it's four games uh, that they, they've gone winless here, which is a little bit unusual for them. Before we go into them ourselves, let's just start by hearing what Bobby Smyrniotis had to play had to say, because I think it was a frustrating night for Forge. The ball's just not going in. Um, right? They've uh, taken one shot or one attempt at goal in the first half, and they've scored. Um, you know, and after that, Again, it's a, it's a tough game. You look at 90 minutes, there's two shots on goal, uh, two uh, going in, and uh, we've probably had about uh, five to six big opportunities. And at the moment, it's just not going in. That's the toughest thing in football, um, scoring goals. Sometimes they come in that uh, one or two shot like they came for uh, Valor today or in those one or two moments. Sometimes you need a, you need a lot of them, and uh, right now it's, it's not coming for us. Uh, I thought... Uh, you know, especially in the first half, we created a lot of good high-quality opportunities. Um, second half, okay, obviously as the game went uh, later, we, we applied the pressure, but the uh, ball needs to go in, whether that's in the first minute or the 89th minute. Uh, it all counts in a positive way, and today hasn't gone that way. Forge had 19 shots in this game and no goals. They 
have their last five visits to Winnipeg to play Valor, they've lost all of them, including those two in a row last year. They're winless in four right now. We know that this is an excellent team, Mitchell. What is what is going wrong for them at the moment? Well, I think it's a, another classic Bobby Smooney notice that like goals change games and they just can't seem to score them right now. Um, you know, be- before Valor scored their their on their first shot attempt of the match in the, the 39th minute, Forge had seven shot attempts and a lot of them were from really good positions. Um, you know, I, it seems to happen to them every year where they go through a little stretch where they're struggling to score. And, you know, so many players who we've seen score in this league before um, mm. just – inexplicably can't for for some reason uh despite getting some very good opportunities and you look at the underlying metrics and you know they by all indications they should be scoring a lot more than they are this year but um i I think a thing that's always been a a bit of an issue is just how much they switch up that front three and just not having consistency in that and i know you like the depth but you know against york it's schwanier hamilton borges calvary it's campbell schwanier passius then borges passius campbell then you know campbell schwanier hamilton against valor um, you know, not one time where they go with the, the same three players back to back. And for attacking players, I think it's important to, to give them that consistency of run out to be able to learn each other's patterns and play together. Even if they've been, you know, together for so many years, it's, it's just that consistency is important. So, yeah, I think that that's maybe the maybe the next step here is just to pick some players and, and give them a bit of a run and, and see how that works. But you know, if if they can't score, then they're going to open themselves up to to games like this again, where uh, other teams are going to take their chances and and be less maybe afraid to to take risks the other way uh, on Forge and, and open themselves up. And yeah, that's obviously going to be lethal. Yeah, Forge obviously are a team that it feels like at at some moment it could just fall into place and they go on a run again of games yeah. uh it's not happening at the moment i think there's just no there's no momentum in that team at the moment so before we before we just quickly mention what's up next for them let's go back to ig field one last time and hear the thoughts of dominic samuel it hurts it hurts because you know we do we do good things during the game we get like you said many multiple chances um they don't fall they get one and that just kind of stinks stinks kind of uh takes the momentum that we have and just kind of flips it the opposite way. And now they start putting pressure and things change. Momentum. Uh, Mitchell, 30 seconds or less. Both of these teams play midweek. What is coming up for Valor and Forge? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any easier for for Valor. Um, They're headed to uh, Starlight Stadium to take on Pacific, who obviously are, you know, on form and in points, the the best team in the league right now. So, I mean, if they wanted to make a statement about, uh, you know, where they are as a club, this would be a big opportunity, but a very difficult task, you know, coming so shortly after a big game at home against Forge. And uh, Forge, you know, might be just what the doctor ordered to head to Langley Event Center and and take on Vancouver FC, who are shipping a heck of a lot of goals um, out there when they play them on Tuesday. But this whole disappointing run kind of started with a a nil-nil draw against you know, Vancouver at home. So there's there's an opportunity for the t- this to get worse as well if they can't pick up, you know, three points and, and a few goals out there in, in uh, Langley. Yeah, a really big game, that one, on Tuesday for both teams. Uh, okay, Mitchell, before we let you go, we're, we are going to have to talk very briefly about last night's uh, Canadian national team game. 2-0 to the United States, a really disappointing performance in a final, just 
we won't go too deep into it because it'll it'll just depress us. But I did, your your overall reaction when you came out of watching that game last night? Yeah, I think it the the underlying thing is maybe at the end of the day how much of a missed opportunity this was for for this group. Um, you know, to really kind of have their moment. This is a, a Canadian generation that knows at the end of the day they're going to be defined by by trophies and. Um, you know, they've talked so much about the importance of, of lifting one of those, about the opportunity to to send Atiba Hutchinson out as a winner. And, um, you know, maybe after the, the disappointing results in Qatar, uh, the, the chance that this was to have the, uh, kind of a magical moment at the end of that cycle. But, you know, you almost wonder if they're going to ever have a better opportunity than this against the U.S. men's national team side with an interim coach who were missing so many key players, you know, after an emotionally exhausting match against Mexico, you know, who now only feel like they're going to get better from here um, as such a young group with so many players playing in, in good places. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of talk kind of coming up about the manner in which they miss this opportunity, which I think certainly is, is disappointing as well. But at the end of the day, I think it's just that they missed it um, just that they weren't able to, to do something that really would have been special um, for the sport in this country and, you know, could have taken it forward a, a great ways. Yeah. Uh, a missed opportunity, I think is the best way of putting it. Just a, a game where Canada were second best to a, a admittedly, admittedly a U.S. team that is playing quite well at the moment and full of confidence. Um, but, you know, I, I promised that we would try and keep the vibes high on this show today. So we're going to go right back into the CPL, which is, I think a little bit more fun for us to talk about at the moment. If you if you want more Canada coverage, there's obviously plenty of that, especially at One Soccer. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, but anyway, Mitchell, thank you so much for your insight and analysis, and we will we will speak to you again soon. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mitchell. And we will now head over to the East Coast, where we had Alexander Gange Ruzik watching Halifax Wanderers and Cavalry FC. AGR, I know that you just got off a different stream with One Soccer talking about Canada, so I'm not going to make you do that here. <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> We are going to stick to the kitchen party in Halifax as the Wanderers win a second straight home game, beating Cavalry 3-1. to one. AGR overall out of 10, what did you think of this game in terms of how compelling it was and what were your basic thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this was a, a fun one and then Halifax, obviously, uh, you know, a bit of a special Saturday doubleheader. So a lot of us got to enjoy this one on YouTube, which was a fun little experience. And yeah. certainly the game uh, delivered for that, especially from the first 10 minutes, a couple of goals. It did slow down after, uh, before the, the Wanderers pulled away in the end. So I'd say a seven. I think it, it was a compelling matchup. This was two teams that needed a win. Um, obviously, Halifax just got their first. Cavalry had just won as well. Their second game, so many draws between them. You're wondering, is it going to be another draw like the first time they met in that entertaining 2-2 draw? And in the end, that the Wanderers were able to to stay hot, get that second straight win. All of a sudden, they're they're climbing up the table looking good. And uh, for, for the Wanderers, it was just a surprise to see how professional of a performance it was. So it felt like so many times in early games this year, they you know, their little mistakes, little moments that they just, you know, looked naive in almost. And in this game, there was none of that. Whereas for Cavalry on the flip side, it was surprising for them that they were just not ruthless enough. Because if there's one thing we've said about Cavalry over the years, it's that they're ruthless. But ultimately, that was uh, why this game was such a fascinating one in terms of storylines. Yeah, it certainly was. And we are going to have to talk about Cavalry in a little bit. But let's stick with Halifax just to start a game that was tied at one until just up around the hour mark and then as you mentioned Alex they kind of Halifax kind of pulled away in the last half hour so what impressed you about the way they kind of took this game to Calgary 
Yeah, I think it was most impressive that they showed that professionalism. I think they're showing that they're learning because like we mentioned, how many times have you seen Halifax come flying out the gates and play a great 45 against Forge, for example, or, you know, have all these great starts and they kind of fade away. And this was one of those where they had the fun start. It was back and forth. They're in the game. But then Cavalry took over the game. But instead of maybe falling and succumbing to that pressure and allowing a cheap goal, like Halifax looked fine with it. They rolled up their sleeves. They were getting stuck in defensively. Yeah, maybe they were fortunate Cavalry's finishing was a bit off and that Yan Fillion had to make a big save or two. But look, that happens. These There, there, there are moments in the game where you're going to be behind. You're going to be under the cosh a bit. You're going to have to take that pressure. And Halifax had zero issues with that. And I think that's the the sign of this maturity in this young group, especially like this is no no Andre Ampersad again. Like this is Mo Omar leading the side, another strong performance in midfield. Him and Lorenzo Caligari holding things down. That young back line, you know, Dan Nimick, uh, Christian Campagna, Kale Lockery uh, were also having to play a big role and they just, they held on. And what did that do? It gave a platform for one of their creative players to step up and, Right now, it's a guy like Aiden Daniels who feels like we're somehow not talking about enough given how mm-hmm. good his performances have been and now back-to-back weeks where he's just had huge clutch moments for, for Halifax and that's what won them the game. And I don't think if this was week two and they had this sort of performance, Cavalry wins 3-1, you're sitting there like, ooh, what's wrong with this Halifax time team where they've shown that they've learned from week one, two and all those lessons. Absolutely. A, a lot of uh, love in the chat for Aiden Daniels from uh, Alex, who's asking if, if Aiden Daniels' recent form could put him in the player of the month or year conversation. I don't know yet. We'll have to see about that. Um, but, you know, certainly a, a player who's really stepped up for Halifax. But uh, let's go Let's go back to the Wanderers grounds quickly and just hear Patrice Geyser's words after that game, because I'm sure he was very happy with the result. Football is, is a game that has its up and downs. Um, when we had our downs and they had the run of play, we stayed with the match. I mean, we only gave up uh, a goal off the PK and the same against them last time. I think that's the second time we've been Calgary at home. So it's phenomenal. So I have to see the positives. There's some things we could have managed a little bit better, but they took the game. But I do think the goal against the run of play killed them. And we knew that they have some really dangerous players. That's a team that its roster has been together more or less for five years. We've been together for 10 weeks. So... I just think it's a continuing project to work and improve every day. And um, something we never did well was when the opponent had the play, we broke down and gave up goals. So I thought it was great, but they came out as hard from 45th to 65th, but we survived, you know. A comprehensive breakdown there, I think, from Patrice, who, who did mention that obviously a lot of this cavalry team has been together longer than this Wanderers team, who have now won pretty decisively two games in a row at the Wanderers grounds. Uh, AGR, you've watched this team a little bit this year. Does it feel like they're starting to figure it out under Patrice Geyser after a frustrating start to the year? Yeah, I think we're, we're really starting to see things click. And I think um, one thing that Geyser has you know, done a lot of throughout the year is experimenting, right? I guess, he, you know, he hasn't maybe known who's his best number nine or what number nine brings what in certain games and, you know, what defensive setup works in this way. But we've seen a lot of, more consistency as of late as he started to figure it out. And I think we're really starting to see his identity get uh, take hold where they're comfortable taking over these games and playing their way. And, you, you know, you see the fun three, four, one, two, the fluidity, but also now they're adding that next step, which is also, you know, what do you do when you're, you're off the ball? What do you do to, to remain in games? How do you 
uh, keep your players in games. And I, I think that's been exemplified, especially with some of those young players stepping up, right? Like a guy like Tiago Coimbra having one of his best games. You can tell he's someone that maybe at the beginning of the season, he was kind of figuring it out, you know, young player, one of his first pro seasons, whereas now you can, his role is clear. He, he steps in and he, he can, he can fill that. And there's a lot of players that the, the same can, can be said of, of that. So it just feels like the players are understanding what Geyser is putting out there. And I think Geyser as well is learning, okay, where do certain players fit? How do I get the most out of guys? And uh, when that all clicks, it, it leads to back-to-back to -back wins like this, where it, it was deserved and it was professional performances. Yeah, it, it's certainly a project under Patrice Geyser, as he's kind of said all year. But I think this is a, a young team that's reacting to challenges within games, which I think is really positive and, and also a good reflection of the coaching. And I think it's, it's big to have both Teo Colom and Tiago Coimbra get on the score sheet. But let's give the last word on this Halifax performance to their other goal scorer, Aiden Daniels. Uh, you know, we talked about it last year and, and so much this year about making it a fortress. Uh, I always say this in all of my interviews, like we have the best fans in the league. So putting on performances and getting results is, is ultimately for them. Um, and, you know, it obviously helps us in the league. But, um, you know, just giving back to them, their energy, their commitment to, to come watch us play no matter no matter the weather and, and the day is, is just something that we want to give back to the community. Always a... Uh... Hell of a party out in Halifax, especially when the Wanderers win. Uh, not so much of a party on the flight back home to Calgary, I think, though. Let's, uh, before I get your thoughts on Calgary, I think let's start with Tommy Wheeldon Jr. because I think we're going to want to react to his comments here. So let's hear from the Cavalry coach. Um, not necessarily. I think because the players we had had the chance. Well, Moosey's had about five shots. You know, Gote's had a couple. Um, Charlie's had the one that's gone off the post. So we had enough chances with everyone else, and that's what we just talked about. I said, we, we can't keep saying, you know, we've got a really good attack if our attack don't finish, and then we can't keep saying we've got really good defence if our defence are coughing up goals like that. So um, for the most part of the game, we've had a very good performance, but it's fine margins that are, that are hurting us, and this is what we've got to get over. We can't keep saying we have a good attack if we're not finishing. We can't keep saying we have a good defence if we're coughing up goals like that. He's not mincing words there. I think Tommy Whelan Jr. is very frustrated after a game like that, despite you know the weekend before being a lot more positive when they played Vancouver. AJR, what did you make of Cavalry in this game? And do you agree with, with Tommy's assessment there? Yeah, I feel like it's blunt, but it kind of hits the nail on, on the head and the, a bit of what's been wrong with this Cavalry team this year. It feels like, again, it, it, there's the performances are have been good enough. Like you're not sitting here week after week, like, Oh, there's a problem. Like Cavalry's not out of like, they're playing themselves out of games. No, they're playing like well enough. Like it's this game. Mm -hmm. Should they have probably won over the balance of the game? Probably if they execute some of their chances in the second half, but look, this is, it's, it's soccer. It's this football. It's, you know, the game's a lot more complex than that. And it just feels like Cavalry's, almost almost the way I'd look at this Cavalry team this year, they've beaten themselves a lot more than other teams have beaten them, right? We've right. seen it with all the leads that they've dropped, all these moments with this miss, these missed chances. And I think that, as a coach, has to be frustrating. Because, again, it's one thing where you go out there, you play your best, and the other team wins on the day. It happens. It's the, it's the sport. It's, you know, we saw, you know, other teams deal with that. But for Cavalry, it's just this is a good team that, has the pieces but right now they're beating themselves they're not finishing chances where if you want to be a top team you you get those goals you get those wins right like you there, there's examples around the league of, of a team that's flying right now pacific you know they're in a dogfight yesterday against york it was such a close game 
they got a goal at the end and, and they got the win, right? That's yeah. the that's why Pacific's at the top of the table and that's why Cavalry's battling in the middle. They just need those moments where uh, they, they need their their attackers to step up and get those goals, but even defending, right? I don't think, and you know, they talked about it after the game, that mix-up between Charlie Trafford and, and Bradley Camdam on the Aiden Daniels goal where they pretty much kick each other and the ball falls to Daniels. You, you can't have a moment like that if you want to win a game, especially on the road. That's a free goal for, for, for Halifax who were not in the game at that point, like guys are mentioned uh, in his post-game comments. So for, for Calvary, there's just too much of that right now. And if you're going to want to do well and be the top team that you could be, you're, you're just never going to win if you're beating yourself. Yeah, we're 10 games into the season, so it's not early anymore, right? I no. think at this point, there's there's certainly no more. Not that there are ever really moral victories in a, in a competitive league, but there's certainly not any more. And like the, the results are, are really what matter. Cavalry in fourth place right now, but they're tied on points with Valor and Halifax, all on 12. Uh, they're, they're four points back of, of the top three. Uh, this is, a, I, I think, a, an important moment of the season for Cavalry, who are going to be pretty desperate to to turn this around and, and to get a, a couple more of those results. And again, the feeling was a lot better last weekend at home when they beat Vancouver. And this is just one of those results. And it will probably, you know, we could be a lot more positive about them next weekend if they if they turn it back around at home. But you know, but before we look a little bit more closely about at what's coming up next for these teams in this game, let's just give one last word on this cavalry performance in Halifax to Bradley Canda. It was difficult, especially the second goal, to concede that goal when we're dominating. You know, it's something that I would say, as a player, I'd say, oh, especially as a defender, where that you're taking on yourself to to give the, your team the best chance to to win. Because I felt that up until that point, we were the one that was we were the team that was most likely to score. And even before that, we had the chance. They countered second goal. So today they didn't go our way, and we were keep working because we know it's going to go our way very soon and probably hopefully next weekend hopefully next weekend he says so agr very quickly you know halifax looking to build on this momentum cavalry looking to get back on the horse what is next for both of these teams yeah as a wise person said all roads lead through york right well at least at the moment (laughs) for both of these teams that's the case it kind of threw me off when i was uh, writing what's next but uh for halifax they go on the road um somewhere where they'll want to step up and get a win you know they've got a couple wins at home now okay can you go do it on the road and york lions stadium uh for a midweek clash short turnaround but york as well coming off an even shorter turnaround be an interesting game because obviously york in great form and they just went toe-to-toe with pacific so that's what's up for the wanderers and then for calvary they also play york next except they get the luxury of going home to to calgary spruce meadows and they'll play york next week so uh yeah, a bit of a chance for both of these teams to test themselves against one of the best sides as of late and a team that's still uh, second and should be a good test for both of them, especially Halifax on the road. Yeah, and that's a, a York United team that beat Halifax 3-0 in their own building last time they met. So I'm sure there's a lot of motivation in that game. But as always, AGR, thank you so much for your analysis. Everybody can read him, campiel.ca, one soccer wherever else we, we may find you at the moment. AGR, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. It was a pleasure, Charlie, as always. Absolutely. A uh, quick reminder that the CPL Predictor is back, brought to you by our friends at TonyBet, campiel.ca slash predictor. You choose the correct scores. You could win $20,000, tickets to games. It's all there on the website. Uh, I'd encourage you to go check it out. But 
Moving right back into some of our CPL games from last weekend, we head back to the nation's capital, where Atletico Ottawa put in another good home performance and take home a 1-0 win over a, a very young Vancouver FC side, thanks to a goal from Samuel Salter. This was actually my game for campiel.ca, but we're also going to bring in Benedict Rhodes here to help us talk through this game a little bit and so that you guys don't all have to hear my voice this much so as we as we start by rolling the highlights on this i'm gonna i'm gonna give this game a seven i thought i thought the the first half was some pretty outstanding football from ottawa who really looked more aggressive in attack and and more fluid than i think we've maybe ever seen them play they were they were absolutely carving up vancouver's back line at times the finishing was poor i think they'll be really frustrated that they didn't have three four goals in this game which I, i really think were there for them but uh Vancouver, a very difficult performance for them. Some changes in the squad. They had to make some substitutions at halftime, which maybe helped them out a little bit. Benedict, what did you notice about this game, and, and what what kind of did you like about it? Yeah, I think three or four is generous to Vancouver. I think you know Ottawa could have had maybe mm-hmm. even more than that. Um, the first half was just all Ottawa. It was just a total domination, and I think you know, Vancouver maybe did pick it up a little bit more as the game progressed, but the first, you know, 30, 45 minutes of this game, it was just the ball was, was hardly leaving Vancouver's half of the pitch. And, and uh, you know, I think I think Ottawa, you know, three points at home and a victory is obviously huge, but I do know they might even be a little bit disappointed by this by this result. I think, I think so too. I mean, obviously they're thrilled to have another clean sheet win at home. But, I mean, for me, I think you would really like to have killed off this game a lot earlier and you let you kind of let Vancouver stay in the game when they they arguably didn't really deserve to be after the first half, right? You know, the the first forty five minutes, I think we saw some pretty specific sort of sort of tactical matchups. Obviously, Vancouver had a very high back line. I think we saw especially the fullbacks kind of tucking in and getting high. Uh, you know, Vancouver had three under twenty ones in their back four. It has to be said. And Ottawa had a lot of experience in its attack with Carl Howarth and Maxine Tissot and Ollie Bassett all looking to find those those spaces. And I think they really did a very good job of it. Uh, the, you know, the, the fullbacks, Tyler Crawford and James Cameron, uh, both very, very young players for Vancouver, very quite inexperienced players who I think are, are probably a little bit better on the attacking side of the ball as fullbacks than they might be defensively. And I think it maybe showed a little bit at times. There's quite a bit of space in behind them that I think Ottawa were able to exploit, especially Carl Howarth and Ollie Bassett on that right side. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there there was kind of a, a bit of a depth uh, or a disparity, I think, in, in experience in this game. And that kind of showed, right, Benny? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think, you know, you said the three under 21s. I think I think that improved in the second half when we saw a back peak come off the bench. But I think this team was, was really missing Pelle Martinez, who, who's suspended for this game. And and just some of the uh, defensive, you know, sure, surety, is that a word, that he brings to the team? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, he, yeah, I think uh, you know, like you said, they're they're better. I think on the, on the attacking side of the ball, so they just need a bit more of that experience, shut down defenders behind them. I think that can kind of balance things out. But um, yeah, like you said, I think Vancouver stayed in this game. They they weren't totally blown out, but that wasn't really uh, because of the way they they played. Yeah, I I think so. So let's just before we get a little bit deeper on, on some of the Ottawa individuals, let's just go to TD place and let's hear the thoughts of Carlos Gonzalez and maybe what was the difference maker for them in this game. Mainly the spaces that they left. I felt that uh, in the first half they were leaving big spaces. They had uh, a defensive line very high and uh, 
yeah, these triangles outside worked well. Uh, how to break, how to how to support each other, how to have this chemistry and, and synergies between the within the flank players. Um, probably in the second half, uh, they drop a little bit more in the defense. There weren't that many spaces, and and this maybe make us that was a little bit more difficult to get into into the back of their line. So, as as I said before, um, teams changes in change in, in one half and the other half because because they tweak things, they make uh, substitutions, and and the and the games usually have different type of games inside the ninety minutes. There are different types of games within the 90 minutes, and that was certainly true of this game. But a few individual performances, I think, quickly to mention. Carl Howarth is the man of the match for me from Ottawa. The captain getting his first start of the year, and I think you could see just what he brings to this team in that kind of right wing-back role, uh, sometimes a little bit a little bit higher up the pitch. He was outstanding, and his connection with Ollie Bassett, I think, in this game was phenomenal. So both of those players, again, in the Gatorade team of the week. Uh, we have to shout out Samuel Salter. I think who really stepped up in this game where, you know, Malcolm Shaw on international duty with Trinidad and Tobago. Congratulations to him, by the way. Um, but this was a big opportunity for Salter to step up after what's kind of been a bit of a disappointing start to the season so far, I think you'd say, but he gets his goal and that's really as a striker, that's really the thing that can, that can launch a, a new, you know, spate of confidence, right? So I think he was very impressive to me. Benny, was there anybody else in this game, even on either side of the ball, that sort of stood out to you as, as impressive? Yeah, I'll give a shout to, to Callum Irving as well. I thought, you know, if you saw the highlights for watching on YouTube, he made some some big saves. There's one opportunity where there was you know, two or three saves in, in a couple seconds. Um, so I'll give a shout to him as well. I thought he, he was excellent in this game, and as he has been for a lot of the season. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair, I think, as well. Um, I also thought Noah, Noah Verhoeven was very good for Ottawa, and were it not for the aforementioned Callum Irving, he might have had a, a screamer in the first half, which I think you guys saw in the highlights earlier. Um, again, let's just go back to TD Place quickly, though, and let's just get the thoughts of Samuel Salter, who I, I'm sure was feeling a lot more confident after getting that ball in the net this, this game. I've been uh, adapting well uh, thus far, and uh, happy that it shows in my performances uh, in my performance today. And, you know, it takes time. It's different for every player. But, um, yeah, I'm happy that it's going well right now and we just have uh, to keep going. Absolutely, to keep going. Uh, let's go to Vancouver now uh, and talk about this team and this performance. I think it was a, a very frustrating one from this team who really felt like they – Ashton Gopi, I think, was very frustrated by the first-half performance. We'll, we'll hear specifically what he hated about it in a second. But, you know – you know that something's not going right when you make a triple substitution at halftime. And in this game, he brings off Nikki Jima. He brings off Nima Mozenizade and he brings off, uh, who was the other one? Minjay Quack. He comes off at halftime as well in places, Mile Henry, Ibrahim Bakari and, um, uh, TJ Jahid, all of whom, uh, either 21 or younger Tahid 16. And he, he puts Ibrahim Bakari in central midfield, which is, uh, I think another position that, that, he is i suppose is capable of playing for this club and they did improve vancouver were a lot better in the second half they were able to to find some space out wide again the score at this point is they're chasing the game but i think they were a lot better so let's just hear afshin Gopi and, and maybe what he thought of this performance i think first of all i have to say you have one of the most beautiful cities i've seen in a long time and um it's the first time i've been here and i i was so impressed with the architecture history and just such a beautiful downtown 
the stadium is also has a very, uh, I think, a massive feeling, and um, the atmosphere in the stadium was, was I think, very colorful. Especially the the fans of Ottawa seem to be so supportive of their team, making it much easier for them. Um, I think the first 30 minutes, it was, uh, to be honest, no show. We uh, looked uh, completely out of the game. Uh, but we grew into the game, and I think the last 60 minutes of the game, uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy and pleased with uh, the performance. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, we never like to lose, but uh, I'm really proud of the, a lot of the young players, their first professional games that they played. The average age of the game was under 23 at the start of the game, and, and I think that's what this league is about, is trying to develop young players, uh, as many local and Canadian players as possible, to help them become professionals. And these experiences are uh, invaluable to their future. Uh, I think, uh, as I've shared before in my in past interviews, Ottawa has a great team. They have so much quality in so many different positions, and uh, we have to agree, Ollie is one of the best players in the league, and and he makes everything happen for them. Uh, we came into this game uh, a little bit handicapped with suspensions and injuries, so uh, sometimes these challenges actually in, in the long term are valuable for the younger players to get the experience, so I'm happy about that. Uh, obviously very unhappy about the, the loss. So Afshin Gopi, very complimentary of the city of Ottawa, of the, the very young players in his lineup, several of whom, as you mentioned, making their first professional start for this club. That's Anthony White and James Cameron. Um, and very complimentary of Ollie Bassett. Not so much of his team's performance in the first 30 minutes. Uh, very honest for him to say that it was a no-show, and I, I think he's right, to be fair. Um, but certainly a little bit better towards the end for Vancouver, right? Benny, did you did you see them kind of maybe grow into the game after they made those changes at, at the end and maybe you know, find a little bit of a way to step the bleeding? Yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, we mentioned the, the young players in, in the first half who maybe weren't at their best, and then you see some of the young players who come on who were at their best, and TJ Tahid is continuing to be a fantastic player in this league, and, and some of the older players or, or, you know, marquee players, as they like to say in Vancouver, like like uh, Sandoval, for example, just some, some of these guys have been called out midweek for, by Ashley Guppy right. for, for not being good enough this season, and I think, you know, it's a big statement that, you know, when you bring on, you know, Bakri in midfield and, and Tahid up front and some of these players and they come in and, and stop the bleeding and, and put in a good performance. I think that's that's a, a big statement from those players and, and I'll be interested to see what Gopi does in the next game as well. Absolutely. And one thing Afshin said several times this year is they need more players to be goal dangerous, right? It can't just be Sean Hundal scoring goals for them. Um, you, you know, it's as great as it is for Sean individually, you need more than one player scoring, you know, five of their eight goals, I think, in league play this year. Uh, before we, we move on from Vancouver, let's just go back one more time to TD Place and hear the thoughts of one of those young starters in his first professional start, James Cameron, who I believe, you know, obviously was frustrated with the result there, but, you know, was uh, was complimentary of, of his team's cohesion as a whole and their, their ability to get back on the horse next weekend. And I'm sure he will be hoping that their hearts can go on. So let's hear from James Cameron. Like I said a little earlier, I think... You know, we see it in training. We've seen it in some games. I think we really do have the quality to be a great team. And, you know, I think we just have to stay focused, keep working, keep our heads down. Of course, we have a lot to improve on, but I don't think anyone has lost hope or lost motivation in our team yet. I'm really sorry for the pun, by the way. I had to do that. (laughs) Anyway, it's a very tight turnaround for Vancouver, though. Like, they play in Ottawa on Saturday. They have to go all the way back home 
to Langley to play at home against Forge on Tuesday. Uh, that's not an easy game for them, but one where where they'll be quite desperate to try and get something out of it. They haven't had uh, they haven't had a win at home yet. They've had a couple of pretty frustrating, quite heavy losses actually to Ottawa and to Pacific there. So a big night for them. Uh, Ottawa also weirdly have Forge next. <laughs> they'll play them next weekend. They're, they'll be going to Hamilton on Sunday for, uh, I believe, the Tony Bet match of the week next weekend. So they'll have a little bit more time to rest on a road trip down from Ottawa. But you know, both of these teams, two very difficult games against the same opponent who will be quite desperate to win at least one, if not both of those games. So moving on from Ottawa, though, let's go back out west to Starlight Stadium for the final game of four this week on the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Benny, you are all over Pacific 1, York United nil for us. Let's roll the highlights here and maybe get you to just tell us a little bit about this game and what number you'd give it out of 10. I'll go for a 7.5. I thought it was a pretty interesting game. There was you know, a lot of storylines coming in, you know, first versus second. And, you know, I thought uh, I thought for the most part this game did live up to that. It was pretty back and forth. There's Both teams had a lot of chances in this game, and, and uh, both teams were – unlucky at times or saved by some good goalkeeping away from, from this being a pretty high scoring match, but it did end up one nil in the end with a late header from Sean Young and, uh, you know, Pacific FC now looking like if they weren't already the best team in the, in the league in the moment on current form, five points clear the top of the table with game in hand down over York as well. Uh, a lot going right for James Merriman's team at the moment. And for second week in a row, you know, they, they found a way to win the game late and, and just, you know, good teams win games. And that's that's the story again for Pacific FC. They do. Good teams win games. I don't think there's any debate really right now that Pacific are the top team in the league at the moment. They're five points clear at the top. They've got a game in hand. They, they've got a plus 11 goal differential. And the second place team is Cavalry with plus one. Uh, that is incredible at the moment. Benny, Pacific are getting rewarded with results, even if it's a, a close game at the moment, they're finding a way, as you said. But I think I think James Merriman actually might have said after this game that he wanted a little bit more from his attack in this game. So, what stood out to you about this performance in particular? Yeah, I think I think that James is right. You know, there, there were a lot of chances in this game for Pacific to to win. There's there's no open play goals in this game, which you know Pacific is something they they score a lot of set piece goals, and, and that was what they relied on again in this game and. Um, I think that's something they'll want to change. You know, it was two weeks in a row now where they've they scored late on a goal that you know maybe wasn't the, the best goal, but they found a way to find to, to put it in the back of the net. But I think uh, you know the step next for Pacific will be to to find that open play goal and, and create more from from uh, the run of play. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's quickly just go back to Starlight Stadium here and, and hear what James himself had to say after that game. The way that we want to attack and the way that we want to build, um, we're playing the, the style of football and that we speak about, that we talk about, that we work on in training. I think the, the frustrating thing today, and, and they'll say it before me, is, is the final act, the final pass or, or finish in front of goal, which just wasn't there. Um, but it wasn't there anywhere on the field for us today, but that's okay. Uh, we stayed in the game, stayed in the game. We, did, we still didn't give a ton, apart from maybe Babulis off the post. and. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're exciting, dynamic players, and, and we're enjoying working with them. And you see the chances that they can create. They just need to take them. They need to be more clinical and reward themselves. I think if you'd said at the start of the season that, you know, 10, 10 weeks in Pacific would be top of the table, that's not necessarily a surprising thing. But I think you might be surprised if 
you were to tell that same person at the start of the year that you know Easton Ongaro isn't going to be starting every game, Kakuta Mane is not going to be uh, you know a, a major starting figure for the team yet. Um, even in this game, Josh Hurd comes off the bench, right? They still get it done. Gennaro Daniels comes off the bench. Benny, is it impressing you that you know there's this depth in this Pacific squad and how they're able to get these results? And then just going back to this game, which players individually did stand out for you here? Yeah, the depth is very impressive. You know, a couple of games in a row before this one, uh, Ayman Salouf was on the bench as well, and he's looking like a player of the year candidate, I think, at the moment. Um, so, so the depth has been very good for them. And, and this game in particular, uh, for Pacific, it was uh, Amor Didic, a center back. Uh, he was excellent once again. He nearly scored on a direct free kick in the first half and uh, stopped by another stand-up performer, and that was Nico Giansopoulos. I thought he, he made several good stops in this game. Unlucky to, to not have the clean sheet. And, and uh, you know, another another stand-up performer as well was Tass Martikoudis at the back for York. I thought he was he was solid. He was, you know, maybe one of the only players in this league who can, who can go head-to-head with, with someone like a Didich comes to the aerial battles and then also for Pacific, um, you know, Sean Young, of course, he's been in the team of the week. It seems like every single week at the moment uh, scores a big goal. He said it's the first headed goal he's ever scored. But when, you know, when you're, when you're a big, big guy like that, you know, those opportunities will come and, and he took advantage of his and uh, you know, Pacific you know, rightly win this game. Yeah. Sean Young, it's funny you mentioned that he is in the, in the Gatorade team of the week again this week for the fifth time this year. That is uh, that, few. <laughs> that, that means that he's been in the team of the week half of the weeks of this season, which is just incredible to me for a player of, of that age, a Vancouver Island boy to we, we, it seems like we talk about him every week, but he's stepping up in you know this role that Pacific have, have trusted him with this year as a player who's been around a couple of years, but hasn't been really a, a full-time starter until now. And he's just been so impressive. And uh, you know, one, one more player that I think that, I'm surprised that you maybe didn't mention Benny that we do have to shout out because we're going to hear from him in a moment. We saw him sitting next to James Merriman there, but Kieran basket has two clean sheets in his last two games in goal for Pacific. Uh, it seems like that, that starting job is now his, at least for the time being over Emil Gazdov. I, I think he, he continues to impress in that role again, maybe, maybe something that we didn't expect at the start of the year, but let's go back to no. Starlight stadium and <laughs> you expected it, but let's go back to Starlight stadium and hear what Kieran had to say after that one. I always like to, to live in the moment and just take every day as it comes every day at training, work hard and not be thinking too much about what's happened in the past or in the future. Just try and get better every day um, and, and find a good level of consistency. Absolutely. And we will, we'll see if that level of consistency sticks around, which it, you know, there's no signs of it stopping at the moment. As for York, this is a tough one to swallow, right, Benny? You know, it ends a five-match unbeaten run. The bully hits the post. Before I get your full thoughts on York, though, let's just go back there and hear, because I think Tas Mordekudis was very candid and honest about this performance. So let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, look, we, we, did our, we did our job for the most part. Um, I think we're a bit poor through through midfield and, and up front in terms of securing the ball, securing the first pass, which allowed them to get on the counter-attack, which they love doing. Um, they got good speed on the wings and, and up front today, so um, they were dangerous, but, you know, Paris and I did our job for, for the most part. And, again, all that kind of, I feel like, has gone a little bit to waste, um, conceding so late. Um, not the result we wanted. You know, we could have definitely held a clean sheet there. I think they, they had bit part chances, but nothing nothing too crazy or too too major where they should have scored um but yeah on to next week now on to wednesday now 
on to Wednesday now. But Tass and Tass saying that he and Paris G, the center backs, did their jobs in this game, and maybe the 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 issues in this game were possibly further up the pitch for York, who seemed to be unable to put the ball in the net. Benny, let's just just what did you make of this York performance? Do you agree with Tass, and and what do you think was maybe the the difference for York in this game? Yeah, Tass brutally honest, but I, I do agree with him. I think you know, like you said, there are there are issues up the pitch that that were that were the reason they didn't win this game more than the defense was. Like uh, you know, looking at the attack, you know, Mobuli hits the post. Jeremy Gagnon Lapare sends a shot wide in the first half as well. Uh, there were some opportunities in this match. I, I do wonder about the decision not to start Asazi Di Rosario. I thought he, you know, scored in the last game. I thought this might have been a good chance for him to. Know, get some extra minutes against a, a top team and, and maybe try and keep the momentum going. But I think he came on in, in the 80th minute or something. Not, not a huge runway for him to, to really establish himself in this game. And But that was the sort of theme has been all season for York. The strikers have never really really got going. But uh, that was, again, the case in this one where just the, the goals just, just weren't there for them. Yeah, it does have to be said that this was a very close game uh, that York kept themselves in against a team, which, again, is is quite far ahead of the rest of the league in the standings right now. So I don't think that you can be too disappointed for this one from York uh, coming out of it to, although, although you will maybe be annoyed that you've been to Starlight Stadium twice now and you've lost both games in, in fairly short succession, actually, I think, because that last 4-1 loss there was kind of what started this run of, of good form for York. Uh, before we have the, the last word on, on York and what's coming up next for these two teams, though, let's hear from their coach, Martin Nash. The game got scrappy. Uh, I think that was what we, you know the, the type of subs they were putting in was going to make the game scrappy. Um, you know, Daniels runs around and hurries, and you know after he shows running buzzing about still, and um, you know they put Ongaro on, you know six six, and uh, causes problems, and uh, you know so that was just the way the game was going, and the, the subs they were they were putting on was going to make the game scrappy, and um, they were able to capitalize on it. Yeah, a, a scrappy game, as you mentioned, a bit of a chippy one. I think there were quite a few fouls, um, which possibly could have been more than that in this game. Um, ben, do you, do you kind of agree with Martin's assessment as well, that, you know, that maybe some of those changes late in the game made a difference for Pacific and that it, it really just was kind of one of those scrappy ones? Yeah, I think you know that's kind of plays specific strengths. You know, when you give them the opportunity to counterattack and the opportunity to, to win set pieces, you know, that they will punish you. And that's something that James Merriman spoke after the game about, you know, like, they they always feel that if they can you know, keep a clean sheet, they 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 think they will get the win. Um, so that was that was the case again in this game, and, and York you know didn't make it easier for themselves and, and kind of let it happen. Absolutely, that is that is pretty much the way it went. So Benny, before we let you go though, what is coming up next for both of these teams, who I believe have again some interesting fixtures coming up this week? Yeah, both teams play midweek, uh, as, as you've heard already. You know, York hosts uh, Halifax on Wednesday. York Lions Stadium, that should be an exciting game. Halifax looking to avenge their heavy defeat at home to York. Uh, and then Pacific are going to be hosting Valor FC, looking to keep their their run hot as well. Valor looking to get another win. And, and these two teams played at a pretty pretty close draw last time they played. So I'll be excited to see if uh, one of them can, can push it over the edge this time. Certainly true. A couple of fascinating midweek fixtures. We don't get a ton of midweek fixtures in the Canadian Premier League, but you know some some very entertaining ones I think coming up this week. Benny, thank you so much for everything you do and for breaking this, these two games down for us very helpfully. I appreciate that, and we will uh, t- again talk to you very soon. Thanks, thanks, Benny. So before we go, let's just take one last look at the CPL standings as they are right now. As we've mentioned several times here, Pacific 
well out in front at the moment, 10 weeks in, game in hand on York and Forge, who are both tied with 16 points. And then we've got that block of, of really four teams scrambling for fourth and fifth right now with Cavalry, Valor, and Halifax all on 12 points, and Atletico Ottawa just one point behind on 11. And in Vancouver FC, they're on seven points, but you know, when you... You look at the difference in the table and how quickly things can change. I think they too will feel that they're they're absolutely by no means out of it if a, a couple of results can maybe fall their way at the right times. So coming up this week, though, we've got, as we've mentioned, a full midweek slate of games and all on one soccer. Tell us Channel 980, Fubo TV, Vancouver FC hosting Forge on Tuesday, June 20th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for you guys out in Hamilton wanting to watch that one. And then the following day, we've got a Wednesday doubleheader as York take on Halifax at York Lions Stadium at 7 Eastern, followed pretty closely behind that by Pacific hosting Valor at Starlight Stadium at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And then we move ahead to the weekend after that because it will again be not a not a, a not a long turnaround, I think, for these teams. Cavalry, who've, who will have the midweek slate off, hosting York on Saturday the 24th, 3 p.m. Mountain, that's 5 p.m. Eastern, I believe. Uh, Valor uh, on Sunday opening us up with their first meeting with Vancouver at IG Field as uh, as the expansion side head to Winnipeg for the first time. That game's at 2 p.m. Central, 4, 3 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> I believe that's noon Pacific time for anybody in Vancouver watching that game. And then the weekend will wrap up with our Tony Bet match of the week on Sunday the 25th as Forge and Atletico Ottawa Square off in, in a, a fixture that's always fascinating. That one, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. So plenty to watch, plenty to be excited about this week. And, and you never know when we reconvene next Monday, we may have a very different looking league table. But we'll be back this time next week as always. And until then, have a good week, everyone.